This is the Daily Planet Special News Bulletin. Lois and Clark is our jam. We're talking about Terry Dean and Superman. We'll cover it all, at least we'll do what we can. And now, it's time for the show. And welcome back to Lois and Clark, the new podcast of Superman. I'm Matt Truex, and uh, as promised, this is our first mini-episode. Um, I want to use these to kind of discuss areas of fandom um, that I've come across and how people enjoy their fandom and express their fandom. I do it in a number of different ways. I have the podcast, obviously. Um, I'm into art and writing of various kinds, uh, and I've dabbled in today's topic, uh, but I'm speaking to what I would consider an expert in the topic. Um, I first came across uh, today's guest um, years ago online, seeing his pitch perfect Lois and Clark style Superman cosplay. Uh, and since then, his, uh, his hobby has certainly evolved. Um, so without further ado, welcome to the show, Mr. Brian Wynn. Thank you, sir, for coming on. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's uh, been a real pleasure and joy to join today. I, uh, like I said, I came across you, I, I don't even know when that would have been, but I saw you maybe at Comic-Con in your, your Lois and Clark suit. Um, sure. like, that was my first uh, kind of like experience with you. What, was that your first cosplay? Like what, how did you get into this hobby to begin with? Well, it, it actually kind of predates the, uh, the cape and spandex, Matt. Uh, okay. Kind of circling back. So I would say that's probably around the turn of the decade, early 2010 era is, is when I was uh, running around San Diego with that Lois and Clark style costume. Uh, but if you dial it back another five years or so, so about uh, 2005 time frame, right after uh, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, okay. you know, um, the, I guess what we thought would have been the last and final Star Wars film sure. to complete the whole prequel and six film series. Right. Uh, I thought it would be a really cool thing to have an Anakin style Jedi tunic costume. Okay, I, I like that kind of dark look. And, I was going to say, like, this is like dark episode mm -hmm, three. Yeah. And, like, Clone Wars now, Anakin. Yeah, like exactly. Post-Clone Wars with the, you know, maybe with the glove. And he looks very tactical, that kind of thing. Sure. And so I always thought, you know what, uh, for Halloween that year, let, let's see if I can maybe put together some type of a Jedi costume. Okay. And, okay. Uh, and that's kind of what started it. And to me at the time, to spend about $100 or so in a Halloween costume was a big deal. Sure. Okay, that, that's a lot of money, considering if you just run to the Halloween store and you can pick up some costume set for like 40 bucks or so. Right. A hundred is, is a tall order. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but that's when you go down the rabbit hole. Because when you get one nice thing and you juxtapose it next to something that's not as nice, that not as nice item... <laughs> glares out even more so it's a horrible sickness to start seeing that isn't it like and that and that's why people say when you when you buy a fixer upper and you say i just want to fix up the kitchen it never stops with the right. kitchen because once you have that beautiful kitchen now your living room looks like crap and then your dining room <laughs> looks like crap and then you're redoing the whole house when you only intended to do the kitchen and that's what's what happened i only intended to have maybe just the tunic and then you run into other folks online this is pre um you know one-stop shop and and those ebay or etsy vendors where you can just click once and buy it all and there's this the you had to kind of the, yeah. pick and choose yeah you had to find where to buy things and where to source and put things together and you're you're at home cutting fabric or cutting foam and you're spray painting it brown to make it look like it's <laughs> a leather or distress or something and, yep. that, and that's how it started so it really did start with just kind of putting together a a fun Halloween costume. And then I, I ran into other guys who had a similar idea and I was just shocked. And this was my 2007 Comic-Con, like the very, very first okay. time I ever went to Comic-Con when you can still buy a ticket online and drive down. Okay. Okay. So I, I, I attended that for the first time and I, I ran into a, a couple of guys who I felt at the time literally looked like they stepped right off the screen. The hair, the makeup, the scar, the 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 outfit, the costume, the detailing. Mm. So they some more some more Anakin's of that. Yes, style. more Anakin's. Yeah, okay, cool. And they looked like they had just stepped up in the poses and then mm -hmm. the, the dueling and all those things. Yeah. They looked like they had just stepped off the screen. And I and to circle back to my prior point, 
when you have a really nice thing juxtaposed to something that's very <laughs> novice, I glared out as a very, very novice uh, 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 attendee. Okay. And that's when things kind of went down the rabbit hole. You felt like okay. you had to step up and, and represent a little bit more. Exactly. Yeah. So I did about, you know, about a handful of years in, in a Jedi Anakin style uh, costuming. And then I felt like um, I did everything I could. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I wanted to explore other genres. Okay. Okay. So now fast forwarding to the turn of the decade, uh, 2010, uh, you know, I started noticing, like I started rewatching and maybe reliving my 90s and the Lois mm -hmm. and Clark series. And being a child of the 90s, uh, Dean Cain and that series really was my Superman. I was too young to appreciate Christopher Reeve and uh, the Donner films. Okay. And then this was sort of like, maybe just right around the time where uh, Brandon Routh and Returns came back. Sure, sure. But I had five seasons or five years of ABC Sunday nights with Lois and Clark, Dean Cain, Terry Hatcher, and the theme song. Mm -hmm. So for a long time, Dean Cain was my Superman. And, you know, I started looking at photos and references and getting comments and folks saying, you know, you, you bear a little bit of a resemblance uh, to Dean Cain. Sure. So once again, this is all still more or less pre one-stop shop. And uh, I started to put together uh, this Dean Kane replica style costume, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of details. Uh, the same as the devil's in the details. Sure. Okay. Oh, especially in that. I mean, like it looks deceptively simple, but I'm sure that this is true when putting this together. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the the big the, the two big obvious things. Mm -hmm. where if if any layperson were to look at the suit, is the 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 richness of the blue color mm -hmm. of the of the suit, and then the fullness and length of the cape. Mm -hmm. uh, Dean's was really the first one where he had almost a floor length cape. Yes, Reeve was towards the top of his calf where the boots ended, mm -hmm. and Ralph was sort of like Reeve two point <laughs> And Dean Kane really was the first one to have it almost to his ankles. Okay, there were interviews and behind the scenes and that kind of stuff where he would always complain about you running and doing stunts and the kid would get caught. <laughs> I and remember when I was doing Comic Con, I understood exactly what he was talking about. <laughs> you end up getting your ankles caught and kicking in it because there's just so much fabric and it's heavy. Yeah, the fabric is called gabardine, so it's a, a two-way um, uh, cloth that's a, it's a hybrid blend. And it, it, it bounces. It's not flat like a piece of t-shirt. It's not flat. It bounces and it, and it folds on itself. So it looks very full and very regal. Yeah. It gives, it, that, regal is always the word I go to for that suit because people make fun of it for not being as, you know, designed or like you see Henry Cavill in some textured thing and it looks beautiful, but like there's something regal. You're right about that cape and the way it hangs on that blue suit too. It's, it's just, it's impressive to me. Um, yeah. I, obviously, the, like you say, the cape and, and that fullness of the blue is interesting. But I also feel like that that S, first of all, obviously must be difficult. And those boots must be difficult, that like slightly darker shade yeah. of blue. So you're saying that it wasn't one-stop shop stuff. Are, are you still, when you're putting that suit together, are you still making it? Are you... Um, you know, are you working with a seamstress or something like that? Like, what is it's your a combination process? of both? Yeah, man. Okay. So, so I did some of the work myself, and of course, then I had to source it out uh, other pieces of work. So, the 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 suit itself, I bought. It's it's basically any generic uh, uh, leotard, like a dance leotard, four way spandex suit. Yep. Okay, but the what you want is you want a um, the nylon finish as opposed to the flat finish because it has mm -hmm. like that sheen and that. Yeah. And the, the reason why that's important, when you have that sheen, it creates shadows. And the shadows gives you a little bit more of that three-dimensional muscular look. Yeah. Whereas Reeve had a bit more of a cotton finish. So he looks kind of flat. If you look back at um, a set photos, uh, pre-production, he looks flat, despite the fact that he's a big man or right. was a big man. So what I did was I bought a white leotard. And I went well, on you're a- starting from scratch. This is amazing. Yeah, I, 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 I bought- I'm riveted, keep going. <laughs> Uh, on a dance website, a dance okay. supply website, where you can buy uh, unitards and leotards for men, women, boys, girls for dancing. Okay. So it came in a small package because you can box it up and, and fold it up on itself because it's a spandex. Right. <clears throat> and I had to go and find 
uh, I bought maybe about three or four different, um, it's, it's a, it's a acid based dye. You can't just buy like any over the counter dye fabric, fabric dye, like uh, I forget the name of the generic brands, but you can't just buy that kind of, you had to buy something that can penetrate the nylon fabric of the suit. Mm-hmm. I, I want to call it like, it's like acid base or something to that effect. I can find okay. it. I'll find it later. Um, but ultimately the color, the color that I settled on is called a sapphire blue. And I felt like that was the closest resemblance to that deep royal navy blue. Because they had a number of different blues. Navy blue, which would have been too dark. Sure. A royal blue, which was too light. A little too bright. Yeah. A little too bright, like the reef color. Mm-hmm. And then sapphire. And the way I did it was I had to, and my wife can tell you, I had to cook up this big soup pot. <laughs> I was waiting for this. Yes. Okay. The big soup pot, you fill it up with water, you put it, you bring it to a boiling point and then you pour the dye into it and then you have to stir it and let it sit so it evens out and spreads out evenly. Sure. And what I did was I took a piece of the fabric, like on the ankle where you wouldn't see it even if you made a mistake because mm-hmm. it's going to be in your boot. Right. I dipped it in and I took it out to see if what it looked like. But here's the thing, Matt, you can't just throw in a piece of fabric without any type of pre-treatment. I had to take it into the bathtub, soak it, and, 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 and get it really, really wet so it becomes saturated. Okay. Because a lot, of, a lot of fabrics have this kind of protective finish coating. So have you ever noticed if you buy a new shirt and you spill some water on it, it kind of rolls right off? Yeah, first couple because, of times. <laughs> yeah, so, but, but after a while when it's worn and you've washed it a few times, if you spill water on it, it just gets wet. So a lot of new fabrics have that new finish, that new protective finish that has to be washed off. So if you, if you try to dye your suit without Jeez. pre-treating it, the dye wouldn't take. It would okay. just sit there and maybe it would look faded. It wouldn't take. So I had to soak the suit and saturate it so it's dripping wet. And I'm carrying it across <laughs> the kitchen. <laughs> and I'm, dripping, I'm dipping a piece of it into the, into the dye bath. Okay. And then when I took it out, I had a picture of uh, a stock photo of Dean Kane. And I'm looking at comparing it to the photo with the, with the leg hanging. And I'm like, that's about as good as it gets. This is amazing too. Now, like, how are you, it would have taken, I would have gone through so many suits ruining that before I realized I had to, to, you know, douse it first. Like, are you trial and erroring this? Are you looking online at different forums on how to do this type of thing as you're yeah, going? And Especially it, when it, you're just starting out, you know? Yeah, Matt, it was a lot of uh, self-taught and trial and error and then mm-hmm. just kind of basic reading up on how to dye different fabrics. Okay. Uh, and this was really kind of pre-RPF and pre-forums. There wasn't a lot of other people kind of sourcing and helping you do these things. Sure. Okay. Uh, so it was a lot of trial and error and figuring out. And uh, at the time, I didn't have a lot of money, so you couldn't afford to really mess it up. Right. Okay. Oh, that's so once I, once I was satisfied with it, I dip the whole thing into it, and then you just have to sit there like you're cooking a soup. You have to stir it one way so that it has an even, the, the, the dye flows about, imagine like a washing machine. Sure. It has to uh, evenly flow about the suit so that it, it dyes the entire suit evenly so you don't get splotches. Like one area is very, must be very like... heavy, and the other yeah. area didn't take. Yeah, you can't just let it sit there and soak. Because like, if you don't do that, I imagine there's a, almost like a subtle tie-dye quality to it. Yeah, you get a tie-dyed. Exactly. Yeah, or modeled or whatever you want to say. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why to avoid those splotchiness or that tie-dye, you have to pre-treat the fabric so it's evenly saturated. And then you have to kind of stroke it and stir like a pot clockwise and then counterclockwise. And then maybe like kind of flip the, uh, the ends on over itself. Sure. Because the dye tends to be heavier than water. So it sinks. Oh, so it's going to get sediment. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever's on top doesn't get as much of the dye as it is on the bottom. But if you left it that way, whatever's on the bottom is going to be deeper in color than what's on the top. Right. There, there also yeah. must be a, like, kind of a threshold for leaving it in there where it's, it might get too dark. Or is that maybe not an issue with those? Yeah. No. Once it's saturated, it's saturated. It doesn't get any deeper than the originating dye. Okay. Mass. Okay. Yeah. Unless you added more, but it wouldn't get any deeper. This is amazing already, first of all. Um, I have to ask too, like as you're doing this, I already forget the name of the fabric you said, but you, you quoted the fabric it's of a the ni- cape. It's a nylon licra 
Okay. Four-way, it's a four-way stretch nylon lycra. Okay, for the suit. And, and, then, and then you said something for the cape too, like- Gabardine. Uh, Gabardine, excuse me. Are you figuring, again, are you just going to a billion fabric shops and, and looking and trial and error? Are you looking at any um, original suits for reference at the time? Like, yeah, so uh, I spent a long time. Uh, now, if you go online and you look at Dean Kane Superman, uh, you may find one or two of my photos, but before then you you wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so I had to go in on Google Images and and Photo Bucket, uh, and I think this is right around when Flickr started getting popular too. Oh God, I miss Flickr. You just brought me back with that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I would just go and try to find set photos, um, and and here's the thing, Matt. I always, you know, these uh, us, you know, hardcore costumers. There's always a debate of how do you want to make your costume. Do you want to make it screen accurate? Right. Or do you want to make it like it actually existed as the exhibit itself? This, this, yes. Okay. Those, there's because two chains of thought. There's no right or wrong. It's what you like. I am so glad we're getting into the weeds of this already because I, I work for an, an auction house and we've had some of, uh, we've had two or three of the original suits come by. Sure. And I'm amazed how much darker the red on all of it is then it looks on screen because right. so like that's kind of what you're talking about i think yeah. where like you know once they pump all that light all from the studio on, set yeah. in there it it pops off of them whereas exactly. in person it's a lot darker so what did you wind up going with for yours so my experience from my that 2007 comic-con matt that i told you where i met these other fellow uh, guys from, mm -hmm. who were wearing anakin stuff i felt like they walked right off of the movie and that was my predisposition and prejudice that says, you know what, I want to look like I walked off the set. I want to sure. look like I was, I could have been Dean Cain's stunt double. Right. Okay. And that was what I was going for because as you pointed out <clears throat> at, in, at the, uh, what they call the Metropolis convention in, uh, in Illinois, yes. it's, a, it's a Superman convention in, in, in June. There is an actually a donated Superman, uh, Dean Cain costume, but the blue is not as blue. Yeah. And the red is much deeper, as yep. you said. Yeah. And then yeah, <clears throat> it's the old joke about um, Star Wars and Stormtroopers, how in person and live, the Stormtrooper armor is really quite awful. Yeah, it looks poor, very and very, poor, and... very, very poor quality. Yeah. Yeah. So but then that, you put them on the screen and joke. you put a billion of them on screen with the guns and the music and a reflective black floor and it yeah. looks amazing. Yeah, But no, in person, totally. it looks like garbage. Yeah, that, that's, that's so funny you say that. I love that you went for, like, I, I, I don't, I would be torn. I'm, I'm in the middle of a suit. I had a seamstress helping me and then a pandemic started. So, like, it's been unfinished for a while. Yeah. Um, but I went, having seen the suits, I went with that darker look. And when I look at it, like, in person or in photos, like, test photos I have of myself, it's a different effect. So, like, mm -hmm. I, I really respect that you went for that, um, that authentic, you know, like off the screen look with it. Yeah. Um, so I have to ask too, like, are you then learning how to do stitching to make the S and making outlines of that a billion times? Like, like again, your suit looks flawless. So like, Thank you. how many times are you attempting these different, these different pieces? So, so the emblem itself and then the, the cape along with the golden S, yeah. I ended up getting sourced by a professional seamstress or a costume maker. His name okay. is Dale, Dale Morton out of West Virginia. Okay. Uh, and I kind of met him on Facebook and he, he's like a professional mascot um, uh, a maker for uh -huh. you know, high school teams and college teams. So he would make the mascot. So making an S wasn't all that difficult for him. Right. But, but then here's the thing though, Matt, I and I actually burned through one of these S's. You create it, but I just told you that I had dyed the suit. Right. I learned that there's a residual stain effect. Oh no, okay, oh God. So when I end up sewing the S, and we can talk about just the nitpicking of how high or low the S sure. is on the chest. Yep. When I sewed it on and I hadn't like post-washed suit, the blue stained the underside of the gold and turned the gold like greenish because oh, when you mix blue with yellow it turns kind of green of course yeah so it got ruined so i had to get a um a a, a um a seam popper and i'm manually <laughs> popping off each seam yes and and just tossing it 
And I asked my guy, can you make me another one? Because here's what it looks like. And the gold turns to green. It's awful. Uh, so that was that was that first experience uh, in learning how to do it. But I'll give you a, I'll give you a, another story. I learned how to measure how high or low the S would go on the chest in yes. comparison to the collar line. Very sophisticated uh, uh, costuming tool. Okay. I used the pen. <laughs> okay. I measured how much pen length would would be required to go below the the neckline to measure where where the S would be. Where it's going to land on you. Yeah, okay. where it lands, yeah. Oh, that's great, man. And this, like, that and the seam popper, like, that is the stuff I love, where, like, not only do you have to figure out the tools to do it, you have to figure out the tools to undo your mistake with, like, a oh, hobby plenty, like plenty. this. You and learn more with mistakes than you do with getting it right. Yeah, I, I'm sure, I'm sure. All right, um, all right nerd question, because it was totally a revelation to me when I first saw one of the Dean Cain suits up front or like up close, how did you attach your cape? Yeah, so I'm a big cape guy. And to me, mm -hmm. um, the cape line, I really, really pay attention to the cape line. As in and where it me, falls on the shoulder, where it, where it tucks in? Where it falls, um, the, the, the seams, uh, uh, where the seams are, are, are placed and how it hangs. Um, the, the source inspiration for the artists, um, um, Siegel and, and then subsequent artists like Lee and, and that kind of, um, uh, what I mean, I mean, Jim Lee. Mm -hmm. The cape is representative of the proud crimson cape of a Spartan, that sort of unboldened bravery. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when people are running away from the building, these guys are running towards it. Yeah. The firefighters, the first responders. Uh, there's an Alex Ross painting where Superman is staring at the at the mural oh. of first responders, and he goes, "Wow, those are real heroes." Yeah, because right. 9/11, I think. It's giving, it's, yeah, the 9/11. Same it's giving thing. So just, just talking about it. Gorgeous image. Yeah. So I really pay attention to how the cape fits and and the cape line mm -hmm. across the the shoulders and the clavicle and the and the and the and the, uh, the lats and then and then excuse me the um. The, uh, the traps um and so for uh and it, and it it varies from suit to suit sure okay whether it's uh dean canes which his actually falls it comes along the base of your neck so mm -hmm. it falls the base of your neck and it ends here at the clavicle and then what they do is they fold it over the shoulder so the seam lines the triple seams go this way yeah okay and mm -hmm. then it, it rolls off the back of the shoulder Right. So it stays off the deltoid, but it comes across the traps over to the clavicle and it, sit, and it goes that way. Mm -hmm. I pay attention to that kind of stuff. I, it's just amazing to see you just roll that off at the and top then, of your head. Whereas yes. Cavill's, Cavill's comes over, there's the, the, the triple seams come over the traps mm -hmm. and then they get tucked into the suit along the clavicle. Right. So it's Almost like little coming, printed pockets there. Yeah. Yeah. So they come this way. And then they spread over towards the back, top shoulders, and then it spreads out across the back. Yeah. So uh, the way I attached um, Dean's was I made sure to have it low enough along the base of the neck. And then here's the other thing, too. Um, uh, the thing where you kind of pay attention is um, if you don't do it right, you have the Reeve effect where his cape sits yes. high on his neck. It sits higher on his neck and then comes down. Mm -hmm. So, but... Dean sits low, so you have that, that look, Yeah, and then it spreads out that way. And so there's actually Velcro along the undersuit that attaches to underneath the cape to keep that taut, mm -hmm. and then the rest of the cape folds over. Otherwise, what happens is that the cape will either pull back or the shoulder fabric will fall over your shoulder and covers your arms. Right. And it just looks like you're wearing a blanket. Oh, that's great, right? So, um... It, comparatively, I've seen online you and now you've gotten your family into it go into kind of like even more extremes of of um, cosplay. So, could you speak to, a bit to like what what makes you a choose a cosplay? Like, how do you know that you're not just watching the show because you like it? You know that you're watching the show or movie or whatever it is because you're going to wind up doing a cosplay of it. I mean, ultimately, Matt, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm a husband, I'm a father. Mm -hmm. um, I run my own business and law practice. 
you know, so technically on paper, I'm an adult, <laughs> but in here, man, in here, I'm still just that same 12 year old kid running to the Seven Eleven on Wednesdays to pick up new comics. I can still tell you what it sounded like when I walked through the sliding doors and the ding of the, of the convenience store, the smell of the store and, and, and there's a nostalgia that it kicks up spinning that, that rickety rack to find the new issue and pulling it out. And it's like tissue paper, right? I'm still, I'm still that kid. I still love this stuff. And so I'm watching, uh, I'm, I'm consuming content uh, to keep that youthful heart. But I don't invest the time and the money to represent this character in, you know, uh, at, at San Diego or whatever. If I didn't really enjoy the character or what the character stood for or the values and the messaging, yeah. you know, I don't want to wear something just for the sake of attention. I don't, I'm, I'm past that. I don't need attention. I have, I have what I, what I want. You know, I, I, there, my, my USB hard drive is full of photos throughout the years. Sure. I don't need more useless photos. <laughs> what I want are memories and memories to before was sharing these stories with you when I was single and then sharing the experience with my girlfriend, now wife, and then now passing that on to my children so that they can experience it. Maybe they love it. Maybe they hate it. That's part of the experience. Sure. So I want to represent something that we connect with. Okay. An ideal, uh, hope or truth or justice, things that mm -hmm. I believe in as an attorney, as a practicing attorney as well too. I swore an oath to uphold the state bar and the state constitution. So words like truth and justice and hope mean something to me. And so when I'm watching content on CW or what used to be WB, Smallville, that kind of thing, and it evolves yeah. to CW, um, it invokes those boyhood feelings that I learned when I was 12, and it continues to reinforce those messages now as a 39 year old practicing attorney. So from a boy reading stories about what's right, what's wrong. And then going through years of schooling and experience, law school, state bar exam, and now a practicing attorney where you swear an oath to uphold that, which is true. The messaging is the same. Yeah. Whether the character wears an S or a lightning bolt is less important. Lesson. Understood. That makes sense to me. Having seen some, I'm sure I have missed some of the the genres and cosplays that you've gotten into. But like, I've seen a lot of uh, stuff um, Star Trek related from you, and that that idea sure. of of idealism, of hope, of, yeah. of some you know justice, like you're saying. Um, I I understand that you've got the emotional kind of motivation there. Uh, has there been a cosplay that that you've had that feeling you're you're watching? the show or the movie or whatever it is, and you're feeling inspired, but you've been, I don't know, intimidated to take it on for whatever reason, whether it's a physical, oh, uh, sure. you know, crafting reason or anything else. Yeah, Matt, I'll tell you one thing. Um, the, the Superman character, uh, we'll just, I mean, you mentioned Star Trek as well too. Um, so I've done, I've done, you know, uh, Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, DC, some Marvel uh, mm -hmm. stuff as well too. Um, I always felt, you know, I always got a lot of these, uh, uh, a little bit of pushback putting on the, the tights and the cape, From obviously because of my ethnicity. I was like, oh, uh, oh. Superman's not Asian. Oh, that's a that's Chinese Superman, you know, and oh, that's Oriental Superman. And yeah. uh, I understand what they're saying. You know, obviously I'm not, I don't, I'm not Anglo. Uh, I don't look like Reeve or, or Henry. Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm Asian American. Um, so I, I definitely early on got a lot of pushback, uh, you know, because of, you know, you don't match the skin color or the, uh, the ethnicity of, of, of the person of the original character. Mm -hmm. But, uh, my counter to that is, you know, Superman's an alien who says he has to be white. He could right. be Asian. He could be Spanish. He could be black. Mm -hmm. In fact, there is a black Superman. Right. He's an alien. There was an Asian Superman of the 90s. It was Dean There's King. An Asian you know? Superman 90s, yeah. Yeah. Um, but in terms of intimidation, in terms of the, of the uh, not representing the character, but in terms of the uh, intimidation of the actual um, 
costume itself, initially the the original Man of Steel costume, which is actually my favorite of all of all my suits. Okay. That one felt impossible because like, how do you get the texture? It's got this chain mail. Yeah. It's one flown suit. There's a silver sheen underneath it. It just looked impossible to do. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and, and, and ridiculously expensive, even if you could do it. <laughs> um, and to, I did it, and I did anyone, it anyway. Yeah, so let's just like break it down for a second, and then I want to hear how. For anyone that's listening to a Lois and Clark podcast who isn't familiar with it, it has the, the Man of Steel into BVS, into Justice League suit, has a printed on kind of alien chainmail texture to it. Like you said, it's all one suit. The boots are connected um, and with the cape, of course, but it's also got an incredibly intricate S design um, that also has, in some versions, Kryptonian writing running through it, which yeah. I, I can only complicate it uh, even more so. So, first of all, I love that you you talked about that that you were getting some very unnecessary feedback when it comes to uh, not being Anglo enough to be Superman. That's ridiculous. I love that you got over it to then represent like Henry Cavill's Superman um, with the Man of Steel suit. But how did you go about crafting something that intricate? So uh, I actually happened to run across, and this is actually on the uh, RPF, the Replica Prop Forum, uh, of, all, of all people, a, um, a fabric maker in Malaysia. Okay. So an Asian American man wanting to do a Kryptonian suit, finding the source <laughs> from a man in Malaysia. Yeah, perfect. You know? <laughs> it doesn't get any more non-Anglo than that. Yeah, really. Um, so he had the fabric. Okay. He had the fabric. And because he had worked on the film, because he had just like done this No, for because he's cosplayers? a big fanboy nerd like I am. He's a big nerd. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So he wanted to, he wanted to make his own man of steel costume but to have it on a mannequin like a trophy okay and he found a way to get the fabric that was stretchy enough but had a little bit of that transparency but the difficulty was to get the urethane printed chain mail on a very thin stretchy fabric right. but not get the chain mail to also stretch so when you stretch a piece of fabric it'll get thinner as you stretch it right right it becomes more transparent but if it has, if it has printed prints on it, as you can tell, I have daughters. Yeah. <laughs> if you have this piece of fabric here with the cheetah or whatever this thing is, yeah. If you Enjoy stretch the show it, what, ha what happens? What happens to the what happens to these designs when you stretch it? Right. You get you're looking at a cheetah print that's then gonna expand as you go. Yeah. So Matt, how do you get a suit that has pre-printed size chainmail that has to be proportionate? But the fabric stretches, but the chain mail doesn't stretch. Yeah. That's a big challenge. I can only imagine. Yeah. So what he figured was in between the pieces. So each, each chain mail is kind of like, like, like this, like uh, two C's. Yeah. And, and so there has to be enough room in between these pieces of chain mail where the fabric can stretch, but not stretch the chain mail to make it disproportionate. Okay. Okay, not an easy task. No. So he, fig he figured it out and he invested a lot of money in the prototype and to recoup his money, he's like, hey, which one of you guys would like to buy fabric uh, to try to recoup his costs? Mm -hmm. And I said, me. Set me up, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, so what he did was he, he would sell you to your body measurements. So you have to, you know, like a tailor measure everything. And I had done this enough where I can tell you more or less all my measure, all the movements. I was going to say, you neck, must have this chest, all chest, shoulder, arm, yeah. back, everything. Okay. And so you send him your measurements and he would sort of cut the fabric for you and then send you the trim, all the details from the gauntlets to the, the body, the belt, oh, yeah, the emblem. You have, to, you're, you have to glue all that together to you. Because my body is going to be different from your body. Right. The now. belt on you isn't going to sit as perfectly yeah. on other people. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so you, and I'll send you a photo um, uh, of my friend and coming to my house. Uh, I had to put on the suit and he's gluing it on me. <laughs> 
and he's gluing and I'll tell it you, again it's like a solid piece with the chain mail printed on so you're gluing yeah. like belt so and just think about like the spider-man suit how it's yeah. really all one one piece mm-hmm. okay the boots look like boots but they're all one piece it's deceptive right so i had to learn how to uh build boots so the ins- so what, what, what you do is if you just put it on, it just looks like you're wearing socks. Right, like a footy pajama or but, something. But yeah, footy pajama, right. But in the film, it looks like he has boots. So how do you build a shoe inside of your footy pajama? But then you have to have a <laughs> sole underneath it so you're not right. walking on socks. You're going to rip through that in about five seconds. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn how to put a, a shoe inside to make it look like a boot. Okay. Then you have to figure out how to put a sole on the outer side so it looks like one uniform boot. Yeah. As opposed to you wearing flip-floppy footy pajamas that has something underneath it. Yeah, that's, something a little that more was solid. The next, yeah, that's the more, next challenge. Oh, my God. Uh, that, that, that we encountered. So, so I can tell you stories about uh, having to stand there in the suit. I can tell you about uh, glue burns. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, so... So imagine if, if this is the if this is the emblem and my friend I have a photo I'll send it to you later. He's gluing it on my chest, but you know you have to. Uh, adhesion is a combination of both um, the the chemical drying, mm-hmm. along with a little bit of heat and pressure. Well, the heat comes from my own body heat. Sure, especially as you, you can stand take, in you there can take a, an you hour. You can take a you can take a heat gun too. But then the pressure comes from the external pressure of my friend pressing it on me. Well, guess oh, what, Matt? Yeah. What happens after that thing dries and he's been pushing it on your chest? You're this ripping the chest happened. emblem off here. Yeah. This is what happens. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's stuck. So you're walking around with a Superman shield-shaped scab on your body for a week or whatever. Oh, you gotta, man. You gotta just, you gotta suck up that pain and you just gotta... You just gotta pull it off. Oh, it's just like waxing at that point, right? Like just kind of it that, becomes like that waxing, forty-year-old version scene. Just oh yeah. man, the dedication! I'm so so happy to talk to you. Like the dedication that you've got to this is so amazing. So and that's not counting getting high off the fumes, because remember, well, that's the joy like, of it, right? No, I'm kidding. That could be the joy if you could look at it. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about things that are the, the, the you know just the shoulder trim along along yeah. here that comes across the neckline. And kind of I mean, outlines just, the cape where it attaches exactly to, right? where yeah. it attaches yeah and you're just sort of inhaling those fumes and you just kind of stand there so i got my friend pressing here and i'm standing here doing this trying to breathe and then next side doing that and then the chest so we're working our way down okay i can tell you stories about how it gets lower towards the belt area as well too you're getting really worried about glue burns i'm sure yeah <laughs> no by that time we learned okay oh good <laughs> We learned. I had to take it off and wear um, Under Armour spandex. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, Under Armour uh, spandex. Yeah. That, all right. That's that's a good call. Um, so what you're explaining is is the crazy side of this, right? Like the side where you're standing there going like, what am I doing? But then it results in like, um, I was year excuse me i was at comic-con the year that they had the the superman statue from oh i love ABS that year. i think that was 16, 16 2016 16? okay yeah. and i saw a picture of you um that what, weekend kneeling? kneeling in the same pose in with the like pose? the arm yeah. up yeah and it was just like the most regal looking thing that i've ever it was just this beautiful image of someone of like living that experience to their fullest and enjoying it. And like, I, I could see the passion that you have for it in that image. And that's true for a lot of your images. There's also gotta be those stupid times in the middle of it where like you're in line to get on the train or to get your coffee as Superman. And you're just like, what a, what's going on? Like, just no one look at because, me. Uh, that morning, Matt. Yeah. So, the, so there's only, there's only one regret I have about that photo. Okay. As I really wish they didn't have that fencing behind the background. Mm-hmm. But um, the best time to get that photo is either in the morning or in the evening. Okay. Okay. Uh, so in the morning, it's brightly lit, and in the evening, it lights up with that false god. Um, uh, uh, yes, the, it had the, the false the, god. The, yeah, exactly. Totally. And this is also, but, I need to set the scene too for people that haven't been there. It is Comic Con in San Diego. There are tens of thousands of people on the street everywhere you look all day long. So you totally do have to wait for like everyone to be asleep or not up yet. 
but continue. Correct. Yeah, so there is a photo, and I can send it to you. There's a photo of me walking in the morning. I think it's about 7 in the morning to that statue to shoot it, and I'm holding a cup of coffee, and there's a photographer <laughs> that says, oh, I'm like, okay, go ahead. And I got Motion a, I got a, a picture. I got yeah. a, my coffee mug here, and I'm doing this. <laughs> Thumbs up with the coffee mug Superman. Perfect. I, I can send that to you. That's one of Some of those candid ones are actually some of my most memorable ones. I don't necessarily post or advertise that. It's yeah. just more of an of a intimate moment or a private moment, but uh, those are some of the fun ones. Well, honestly, so, like, like, that's the type of Superman and like superhero art that I respond to. Like it, it, rewatching Lois and Clark, I can tell you there's like two or three scenes where he's just like sitting in a chair, like filling out a form at a psychiatrist's office. And I'm like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen because it's like yeah. just him living in the world. So I, I bet like those are really cool images. Talking yeah. About. So I'll, I'll send that to you later on the, the, the copy one and then what it looked like during the day and then the more dramatic uh, nighttime evening shots. Those are, yeah. I, th I think maybe that's the one you saw that was really fun to do. A hundred percent. So with, with that in mind, like I'm, I assume you've you've hired a photographer from time to time, or is that just amateur photos? Like I've seen photos so, of you um, that just look like poster ready, you know. Thank you, Matt. Um, it, it's a combination of things too, Matt. Um, as just as much as uh, folks like me, and I'm and I'm starting to maybe graduate and move on to the next phase of this art artistic creativity. Uh, there are folks who enjoy being in front of the camera. And then, of course, just as much as I'm a nerd and a, and a costuming nerd uh, who love uh, to do these things, there are folks who are equally passionate behind the camera. Sure. And so throughout the years, you end up encountering the same set of photographers who come out and want to improve their craft. So just as much as I want to improve the costuming and the fabric, these guys are trying to improve their photography. They want to get their photos out there with their watermarks or their signatures and whatever. They, and they want to use good models or good locations or good lighting to make their product, uh, their end product uh, stand out. Yeah. So their photo is just as much photo art as my costuming is crafting art. Yeah. And that's how we see it. We don't see it as cosplay or attention or hobby. I see it as art. How I create the art is going to be one way. How the photographers create art is another way. How you create art is going to be another way. Yeah. There's no right or wrong. It's what makes you happy and allows you to release that left brain creative artistic uh, uh, mindset. Yeah. Okay. Whether it's cutting fabric or photo rendering, that's your, your art. That's so awesome to hear too, that, that, that you've got that respect for the, the way that other people maybe want to present you in character and whatnot. Like that, that's, that's very cool. Cause that's all, that's, that's what Comic-Con in, in the best of times, this nerd culture is all about, right? Just seeing something someone else creates and going off that. That's where we get podcasts and cosplay or, you know, um, costume making and, and anything else like that. That's, that's wonderful, yeah. man. But to answer your question, I ended up just making friends with these uh, folks throughout the years and about maybe three or four different folks that I uh, meet at different cons, whether it's Dragon Con or Comic Con or WonderCon, mm -hmm. you end up meeting with them and then, um, and, and then they, uh, you just have a, a good two or three hours together. And I, I, I'll thank them by, you know, offering to buy them a drink or a meal or something to compensate for their time or some, send them some Venmo, a yeah. few hundred bucks, that kind of thing, as a, as a token of the appreciation. Because for me, it's it's not just, uh, you know, I can care less whether somebody loves or doesn't love my photo. What I care about, again, as I mentioned earlier, is the memories. The memories in uh, just as much as having the photo to enjoy, but the stuff you don't see in getting ready for it. Yeah. The bloopers. I mean, just how many things <laughs> are, do you Do you love the movie just as much as you love the bloopers after the movie? Right. Absolutely. Of People course you love does. blooper reels. Right? Yep. Don't you it, love no, deleted it's, it's scenes? It's the making of, of it, right? The, the experience of it. of it. Yeah. You know why? Because it makes you human. You may be betraying a superhuman, but the bloopers make it relatable and makes you human. That's awesome. That the killer experience, I'm sure, um, that you've had over and over again. Um, what I've I've only dabbled in cosplay. I did um, a Smallville Green Arrow at Comic-Con one year. That's and it was mostly like an eBay Etsy purchase. And then I made some adjustments and made the uh, foldable crossbow and all that. Yeah, but, the compound bow, yeah. And I like loved every minute of being on that floor and looking like that person. Like, is there a specific experience 
that pops out in your mind early on where you're just like, oh, this is it. I love it. Like, was it standing with the other Anakins? Was it the first time you walked out in public as Superman? Like, like kind of where do you think you got the bug for it? Was there a specific movie moment there? Yeah, the bug, the bug is, there are two moments. So, so we can talk about the first bug and then we can talk about your, <laughs> my Green Arrow experience as you, since you brought up Green Arrow. Yes. The bug is um, when I was pretty knee deep in um, Star Wars costuming, uh, I was part of the uh, the fan club, the Rebel Legion, okay. the 501st, 501st Legion, and they would typically call for uh, local uh, costumers to volunteer for different events. And, and keep in mind, this was sort of the you know the height of Star Wars. So after the Revenge of the Sith, then you had the Star Wars Clone Wars movie, and then the Clone Wars series. Mm-hmm. So they had a lot of big promotions. And Friday was Fridays at Comic Con were sort of like unofficial Star Wars days. Yes. So um, leading up to various events, they would ask for volunteers to kind of create atmosphere and hype. Uh, there was even one year where the U.S. Post Office had a special where they they had their blue post boxes in the in painting in the in the in the scheme of R two D two. I remember this. Yes. Yeah, you remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they would call for volunteers to go at four o'clock in the morning for KTLA five o'clock morning wake up report, and then have these volunteers. Uh, stand by next to this RTD to U- U.S. Post Office box to promote Star Wars and, right. and and the anniversary of whatever and the conjunction joint venture with the post office. Okay, so what the bug for the first time was I attended this uh, where science meets imagination theme at the California Discovery Center, the CDC, okay. in okay. Uh, uh, just around East Los Angeles. It's a museum, and there's like this life size. Um, uh, you know, jets outside and the Columbia Space Shuttle. It's the and coolest thing these, in the world, yeah. Yeah, they have the science exhibits. So they have like the science fiction version and then the real science exhibit that you can play with. Oh, that's cool. So it's like a family event. Yeah. But they wanted to have like a Star Wars day or Star Wars weekend. So they asked us to volunteer our time. I said, no problem. I, I, I invested the time and the money for the costume. Might as well go be a nerd for a day. Right. The bug is when I walked in and uh, we got ready behind the scenes and, and, and they gave us like, a, like a, a, a janitorial closet area where we could get ready and then come out into the, into the museum, the public mm-hmm. area. Very glamorous life cosplay. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you come out and they say, you know, just spread out. Don't, don't, don't consolidate, you know, stormtroopers over here, Jedi over there, Vader over here, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And... When you're walking in, you're walking down this hallway and you have like a TIE fighter and you're starting to see these things, right? And then you see these kids rush up to you and they're just in awe. They think you are a Jedi. They think you are Anakin or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they think your lightsaber is real. This is a real lightsaber. You have to be careful. I have the safety mode on so you can touch it. And it won't cut you, <laughs> but this is the real thing. And, and their eyes just light up. Yeah. And it reminds me, Matt, of that inner 12-year-old boy that is still inside and you see it reflected in others. And the work that you do that brings out their uh, childhood innocence and youth. And hopefully maybe one day they will still remember that. I had that effect on them. Totally. They pay it forward, things like that. So that's the bug. That's yeah. the, the first bug uh, that really kind of got me going. And I, I really enjoyed that. Um, the second memory bug is, uh, Comic-Con one year, it was a Sunday. I forget which year it was. I think maybe 09, probably 09 timeframe, 10. Okay. Uh, I had a, um, I had a, a Smallville Green Arrow costume and I attended the Smallville con- uh, panel at eight o'clock that Sunday. Uh, that mo- I think Monday. It was a Monday. Oh my God. I know what you're going to, like, I can't, yes. Please tell me this story. You know the story? I know exactly you what know you're going to say. Yes. So it was about eight o'clock Monday morning. Pan- uh, oh no, it's got to be Sunday. Sorry, Comic Con ends on Sunday, so Sunday morning, eight o'clock panel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the and this was going into I want to say probably season seven. Yeah, season it was seven. later on, right? Yeah, yeah later on. So funny. this is when yes. they introduced Tess Mercer and um, oh. Doomsday. Yes, into season eight. Then that was season yeah. I think yeah. season seven or eight after yeah. Lex had left. Yeah. Yeah, Lex has left. Um, Lana was gone or mm-hmm. or leaving. 
And um, I forget the name of the, of the actor now who plays um, Doomsday, but he ends up also crossing over to the uh, Star Wars Unleashed uh, franchise as well. Yes. Uh, Witter, Sam Witter. Sam Witter? Whitmore? Yeah, Witter. Witter, Sam Witter, yeah. Witter, okay. So that panel was Justin Hartley, um, Allison Mack. So okay. those are the two anchor veterans. Uh, the actress who plays Tess Mercer, who I forget her name. Cassie Friedman. Yes, Friedman, gorgeous gal. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Sam. Okay. Okay. So, you know, they, they do this whole like presenting what's the, 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 the next season going to be. They give a little bit of teasing. And the, of course, you know, the actors always say, well, we can't say very much and we can't answer that question, but, but yeah, right. There's a, but, and of course, then the media say, well, you know, we've got some questions we'd like to hear from the audience, you know, uh, and then of course, you have these nerds rushing towards the, the microphone that's in the store, the floor. Yep. Rush there. <laughs> so my good friend and I, he, he's got a Clark costume and, my wife, my girlfriend at the time has the the Lara, uh, Lara Zorel, you know, crop top blue yep, and with denim, the, dukey, uh, denim Daisy Dukes and the red jacket, and the red, the red, yeah, yeah, and then the the cuff, the Kryptonian cuff. Yes. So I'm, I got my Green Arrow, and um, when it came time, you know, they asked you to kind of stay low because if you're standing, you block audience viewing of, of sure the, of the panel and the and the screens. So I'm 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 ducked down. <laughs> you're hiding behind a line of people. Yeah. And then um, they asked the next question. So do we have another question uh, in the audience? Maybe we got time for maybe a couple more. I pop up. And then Justin Hartley sees me. He goes, oh, God. <laughs> uh, so I asked, you know, this question is for Justin. Um, uh, what, uh, what version of the Green Arrow do you uh, enjoy portraying? Do you enjoy portraying the leader of the Justice League? And, of course, that, that was their small version. That was growing at the time, League. yeah. Yeah, or, or sort of this, like, lone wolf vigilante. And he goes, oh, that's a good question. Uh, uh, you know, and then people are, you know, people are saying, are you, can you see this guy? Can you see this guy, bro? Look at this guy over here. He's got the cousin. And then he's trying to answer the question, but he can't answer the question. He's totally distracted. Right. And he goes, bro, is that real? Is that real, leather, bro? Is that real? And of course, you know, I'm, I, the, the, what you don't see on camera uh, or, or what most people don't see is you have the, um, the security, the escorts. Right. So you ask the question and they're escorting you out of line. To get out of the way so you got to go back to your seat right and you don't want to be you want to be respectful of the other attendees too it's, this isn't about but you. also the audience must re- be revolting because the security is trying to take the green arrow away from green arrow you know <laughs> so yes yeah, so he see hey, and then so the, the mediator so justin's asking questions to me but i'm off mic now so you can't hear what i'm saying or right mic. i'm off mic and he's trying to ask me questions. And I'm shouting at him, but you know this is a giant. I think it was it was room twenty in in the in in, in San Diego Comic Con. So oh, I'm shouting back to him, and the mediator just uh, says, you know, the moderator's like, you know what? Come up here, come up here. Yeah, let me see. And so of course, you know, I go up. Uh, I shake Justin's hand, and uh, he touches the hood of the of my, and he's like, wow, okay. And I I do my little I do my little flex pose. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and so, so I just said hello and uh, I just wave. And then um, again, I don't really want to make it about me. I feel like kind of odd. So I want to walk off stage, slightly embarrassed too, sure. and, and starstruck. And then my friend runs up to me and hands me my compound bow. <laughs> and then all you can hear is the audience just erupting in laughter. All right, cheers. Is this, is this your friend Clark Kent too? Coming yes, up? my friend yeah, Clark okay, Kent, great. Who, set, who set me up, yeah. <laughs> So I go up and I and I show him the bow and then I do the 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 uh, the pose like the archer right. I pose. I forget yeah. what, the, what, what the Greek god pose. I forget what that was. With uh, is it? I don't want to say. I want to say Atlas oh. is the name of the, of the Roman god. Atlas yeah. holds up the earth. You're right. Atlas holds up the earth. I, I got to look it up. But yeah, I, I'm just thinking of Diana right now. But yeah, anyway, yeah. it could be Artemis. Maybe is it a yeah Artemis or a, no? It's a I forget. I want to say Apollo or Artemis is an A. We'll look maybe it up Apollo. Right. Okay, might be Apollo. Yeah, <laughs> we're but, not but here right. to Atlas holds. Yeah, holds don't quote us. Yeah, yeah. So I'm doing the Apollo pose, and um, people are saying, "Hold the bow, give him the bow." So. I, I, he asked, can I, you know, can he, can he hold the bow? And I said, are you kidding me? Of course. So I hand him the bow and he, he's looking at it, he's holding it. So I think there's a photo floating around of him holding my bow and I'm handing it off. Yeah. And uh, that one is probably the most memorable um, experience that still brings back the, the butterflies and the fun. And even you remember seeing I- maybe... That, yes. That, that photo or the video on YouTube. I remember seeing the, because I was super like, 
cautious about what they were going to do that year without Lex. And I remember watching that and you showing up. And I bet I did recognize you from, from seeing the Dean Kane suit online. That is so funny. Um, we'll post that too, assuming that that's still on YouTube too. Like that is such an awesome, like what else could you ask for from that moment? That, yeah. That's so nice that you got to, and that he was so receptive of it too, that he enjoyed. Yeah, he was a good sport about it too. Yeah, so. enjoyed seeing you enjoy, you know, his, his I think from his perspective, uh, I think he just is, uh, I mean, he's a super superstar now because he was a, he was a big soap star. He was a soap guy before, not that big, but he was a soap guy no. before. Yeah. And then he was going to be um, a Aquaman <laughs> on a solo Aquaman series, but the pilot sort of tanked. Uh, yes. Get it? Tanked. Yeah. <laughs> and then he got casted for Smallville. Now he's, he's a super stud on, um, uh, on the uh, ABC show or NBC show, um, this is just like us. This is us. This is yeah. us. Yeah, such such a like success story. But yeah, you're right. Like it's great that he had that pilot. It didn't go. His consolation prize is four it's years. Green, green arrow. arrow. <laughs> you know, it's the coolest thing in the world. Um, yeah. So you were talking about kind of like you're stepping up your game maybe coming up like what's on your workbench uh, obviously cons are down right now but like yeah. when we can get back to that what what are you dying to do next yeah so that, that's kind of a fun uh question here matt um you know with uh cons being down uh there's also been a lack of new content yeah um and and sources and unfortunately we've had uh you know a little bit of uh, the crisis on the CW show. We've had some Trek uh, flown out there. Yep. Um, and so uh, right now I, I'm trying to explore maybe not uh, superhero based stuff uh, and maybe trying to have more, a little bit more comfortable uh, Trek gear. Cool. Yeah. So I'm enjoying discovery. I'm looking forward to uh, strange new worlds um, and, and, and maybe even going back and recreating, uh, some of the next gen, uh, uniforms, like from first contact and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, I really, really love Star Trek Las Vegas in, uh, in, in August, you know, it's kind of a fun community of Trek fans and, uh, uh, it's, it's a different vibe, different environments. Yeah. Um, to, for anyone that doesn't know, it is, it is a big comic-con basically just for, just Trek for Star fans. Trek. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So it's the Comic-Con of Star Trek. Right. And so I enjoy trying to, and then they've, they've had some exhibits where you can see the costumes up close at Comic-Con. So I've got a, a, the pleasure of taking photos of it, where the zipper is and the blind zipper and the hooks, um, the Velcro, where, where Picard stuff, where, where everything yeah. is located. So I've had the pleasure of seeing it up close. So I want to have that challenge of reproducing it. Not just, I mean, it's easy to go on Etsy and just click and buy. Right. A command red tunic. Or it sounds like you are today. so far past that, though. You know? It's more interesting to, again, make it look like you stepped off the screen. Cool. So that's kind of my next thing with, with playing with that. Um, and I'm putting uh, um, the, the, the spandex and the cape on. Hold on. And, I, and I, I, ha I have the suits. I don't want to make another one and then sort of make those old ones moot, render those moot. Yeah. I maybe want to switch gears to another genre for now. Enjoy that challenge come back to the superhero genre with new content and, and new, new, uh, new consumption yeah. and, and really sort of, um, uh, uh, but bounce around, not just saturate in one field or genre at a time. Awesome. And, and there's, there's also, there's always going to be another iteration of Superman, Batman, what, whatever DC Easily. character Easily. That, Easily. that might inspire you next time, you know, like you might Absolutely. love the next guy's suit, whoever that winds up being. Sure. That's awesome. First of all, I can't thank you enough. This was a wonderful chat. Uh, we've never spoken before, but like I said, I've followed you online. I've seen you from afar at Comic-Cons before. Like, this was wonderful getting to speak with you. Um, and thank you for sharing your experience and, and your love for, for the art of the costuming that you did. Like, it's, it's so far beyond cosplay. And, and I, I really appreciate talking to you and seeing how much kind of love and affection you you put into it so so thank you so much for joining me here today well it's my pleasure matt and i enjoy speaking with you and uh, sharing some of my experience and knowledge and i hope that you and your audience can benefit from it and i'd be more than happy to do this again depending on what follow-up questions uh, folks may have but, oh abs uh, absolutely would love to touch base again um oh in the meantime People are going to want to find these pictures that we've been talking about this whole time online. Where can people find you? Uh, so my Instagram is at Brian K. Wynn. 
uh, Wynn is spelled N-G-U-Y-E-N, and uh, my, it's, a, it's public, so you can go ahead and click on it, and you'll see pictures of me and my family. Um, yes. uh, you, whether it's a normal Easter Sunday uh, gathering or uh, a picture of my sleeping baby or us being heroic. Yeah. You, know, you, you can see uh, what we deal with as a family, uh, both, of our, both our triumphs and our struggles. Maybe hopefully when you view or your audience views um, my content, um, maybe hopefully that's what they'll see because we're not perfect. We just try to strive to be better. And brought together in, in the Superman suit, you know, like the, what, what a wonderful symbol to be represented by when it comes to that type of sentiment. Um, well, thank you again, Brian, for joining me. Everybody, please follow Brian online and check him out and join us back here next time for uh, a regular episode of Lois and Clark, where we're jumping in with season three here. Uh, but till next time, I've been Matt Truex. I'm Brian Wynn. Bulk off, everybody. See you next time. Take care. Peace. Blessings.